Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in Christ's presence in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And hey, we've appreciated the great response we've had to the first five seasons of the podcast, and we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast, but all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd like to invite you to become a monthly patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. That's transformingcenter.org slash patron. You can choose what level of support you would like to give, and you'll get some exclusive bonus content for becoming a patron. Thanks so much for considering it. I also want to let you know that this season, we're walking through Ruth's newest book, which is called Invitation to Retreat. We're going to have one episode per chapter, and we encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. When you buy the book from the Transforming Center, you're going to receive a signed copy from Ruth and some exclusive bonus offers. So visit thetransformingcenter.org to learn more. Episode 11 is called Remember the Signs. We'll get to why it's called that in a second. But we've we've talked a whole lot about preparing to go on a retreat and then about being on a retreat. But we don't talk too much, or at least I haven't heard too many people talk about getting ready to go back to Mm -hmm. reality. So uh, talk about why that's important. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm most happy to be able to include in this book Mm. is a little bit more instruction for how to return from retreat. Because um, if you don't think this through, you're going to be shocked at some of the things that happen. So um, it's just really funny that sometimes we'll have this sort of mountaintop spiritual experience where we feel so close to God and so transformed and like, you know, so pure in heart. And then we get home and things aren't as we wanted them to be at home. And so we yell and scream at everybody right, and the right. thing's over. Then it's so all mad. over. What yeah. was that that yeah. I even did? Because here I am screaming at my kids, you yes. know, because they didn't yes. clean the kitchen or something like that. Yes. So to give some real thought and guidance for how to return from retreat and re-engage your life in the company of others is really important. And of course, the point is to return. Like there's this rhythm here. It's retreat and engagement. So engagement and retreat. So we're engaged in the world with our life in the company of others. And then we retreat for a bit. But the point is always to Mm re-engage. We're not leaving forever. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about how we can re-engage in ways that are good for our own souls and good for the people who have been kind enough to let us go go and come back. When my wife, Mary, turned 30, she went to Iona Mm -hmm. for... I think like 12 or 13 days and she experienced the beauty of that. And then I remember picking her up at the airport. She was coming down the escalator and I was like, Oh, and I hugged her and I just could tell in her eyes, like I was talking too fast. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, and I remember backing up and being like, Oh, you're in a totally different Mm -hmm. plane right now, aren't you? And she's, Mm -hmm. you know, just nodded Mm -hmm. her head. So what you're saying Mm -hmm. is so true. Um, So, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, gosh, we all love them. I, I do. And we play the audio tapes, the audio stories for our kids. And so this remember the signs, I can mm-hmm. hear Puddle Glum saying that in my ears right mm-hmm. now. Remember the signs in the in the audio book. Um, but you tell the story uh, from the silver chair about this girl named Jill who gets this dangerous invitation from Aslan. So review that story for us mm-hmm. and, uh, and then show us how that's going to yeah. help us. Well, this story just 
really reminds me of what it feels like to come back from retreat and to have heard God say things to you clearly, but then you get closer and closer to home where you get caught up in your life back at home and you can't even remember a darn thing that yeah. that happened yeah. on retreat or it feels so far away you can't even relate to it anymore. So this story is really helpful to me in, in this regard. So um, Jill and her little friend Scrub, they were in, they were school children and they were standing near a cliff and they had a little tussle and... Um, so Scrub falls over the side of the cliff. Uh, the Aslan, uh, Aslan blows him to Narnia, but Jill does not know this yet. So right away in this story, she is face down on the, on the ground crying because she thinks it was her fault that Scrub fell over, and she's certain that he's dead. She doesn't know that Aslan blew him to Narnia. So it says here that uh, she cries for a while in utter despair, face down on the ground, but eventually gets up feeling thirsty. She hears a stream gurgling in the woods nearby and wants desperately to find it and take a drink. The only problem is that she has gotten a glimpse of a very large lion in the vicinity and isn't sure if it's real or just a figment of her imagination. She's frightened, but she's also driven by this thirst, so she heads toward the sound of the stream, and lo and behold, the biggest lion she has ever seen is lying right there in front of it, head raised and alert, its two paws straight out in front of its body. So we know this is Aslan, who is the Christ figure in the story. And she understands that this lion, even if she did run, could easily catch up to her. And yet she also knows if she heads towards the stream for a drink, she'll run straight into its mouth. So she's kind of frozen on the horns of a dilemma. So the lion speaks to her and says, if you are thirsty, you may drink. And Jill says, I am dying of thirst. Then drink, says the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do? Says Jill. <laughs> And the lion answers with a low growl, convincing Jill that she has no choice but to risk approaching the stream. The delicious sound of running water is driving her nearly frantic with longing, but still she says to the lion, will you promise not to do anything to me if I come? The lion says, I make no promise. Jill was so thirsty by now, though, that without realizing it, she had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she asks. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, sittings and streams, said the lion quite unapologetically. I dare not come and drink, says Jill. Then you will die of thirst, says the lion. Oh dear, says Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, says the lion. And so she makes up her mind. She does the worst thing she could ever imagine doing, and that is moving towards the stream, kneeling down in this very vulnerable position and beginning to scoop water up in her hand. It is the coldest and most refreshing water she has ever tasted, and she discovers that one doesn't need to drink much of it because it quenches your thirst at once. Before tasting it, she had intended to make a mad dash away from the lion the moment she was finished, but now she realizes this would be the most dangerous thing she could do. So she straightens up, her lips still wet from drinking, ready to accept her fate. So to me, this is an incredibly accurate picture of what it's like to be coming to the end of your retreat time. Your lips are literally still wet from having had huge gulps mm -hmm. of this life-giving water that is Christ, that is God. And um, we entered into retreat, perhaps just driven by a desperate thirst, and lo and behold, God has met us in our need, and um, we've been satiated and now, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do with ourselves um, yeah. as we are so full from what we've experienced. And maybe we've experienced things we never thought possible. Um, and so in this story, uh, the lion initiates a conversation with Jill 
similar to what we might experience on retreat, a conversation that helps her to gather up what she's heard in her interaction with him so that she can go back to her life in the company of others. And so um, he describes some signs that she's supposed to be watching for when she gets back because he says to her that um, when you're back in Narnia, it's not going to look like what it looks like when you're here. In other words, we hear really clear things from God on retreat, but he talks about the air thickening when you get down into mm-hmm. Narnia. So when we get back down into our life with others, it's thicker. It's harder to hear. It's harder to be convinced that God was actually speaking to you. Um, so after Aslan gives her this task, he instructs her about how to re-engage her life back in Narnia. He says, remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you wake in the middle of the night. And whatever strange things happen to you, let nothing turn your mind from following the signs. And secondly, I give you a warning. Here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so down in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take great care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all like you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. And now, daughter of Eve, farewell. So she has this transcendent experience, which is scares her to death, but also revives her. She's sent into Narnia, but not before she gets these, this task. And it's these four things and you just got to remember it. Um, and he, he tells her, say it in the morning, say it at night, say it in the morning, say it at night, because you won't like, you won't, I, I won't speak to you as clearly. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you give an underscore to that? Like h- how do we remember what we received on retreat? What are some questions we can mm-hmm. ask ourselves uh, so that when it gets thicker in our real life, when the air gets thicker, we can remember what we heard. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually think it's what that we start with what we can do while we're still on retreat yeah. and heading home from retreat, that there are things we can do to capture what God has said to us so we don't lose track. And I do think we need to be intentional that as a part of getting ready to go home from retreat, it's not just about packing your suitcase back right. up. It's and, and stripping the bed. It's also about taking a little bit of time to actually journal what has God said to me on this retreat that seems to be really, really clear? Just mm-hmm. let it rip. Mm-hmm. What has God said to me that seems really, really clear while I'm here? Um, are there any signs that God has given me? Any kind of symbol that I could take back with me? You know, at different times, there might be something that you found on a walk in nature that really somehow captures what you've heard from God. It could be that um, there's a religious symbol or something that you can purchase mm-hmm. in a bookstore, a cross or a candle or something like that. Um, maybe it's even a book that you say, I'm going to return to this book every so often because what this book has said to me now is so important. But is there any, any sign that I can take back with me to remind me of what God has said and done here? And then, um, is there anything that I'll be watching for? Is there anything that God is saying, Hey, watch for this, because when you see this, that means that, you know, mm-hmm. means I'm here and I'm at work. Um, and what will you do when you see that sign? And mm. are you committed mm. to doing what God has asked you to do or has invited you to do when you see that sign back at home? Um, so I think a little bit of journaling around that either while you're still at the retreat in the retreat environment, or if you're say you're flying or something like that, 
do it in the airport while you're waiting to get on the plane, but take some time to really capture what God has said to you, any signs, what you're going to do when you see those signs back at home and, and articulate your commitment to, to, to follow the signs when you get back. Hmm. I think it's so important to do that before we leave to make time for that. And I even noticed like if a retreat goes from Sunday to Tuesday, mm -hmm. for example, which is what the transforming community was for me. By the time I got up on Tuesday morning, there was some in my mind I was starting yes, to Yes, you leave. were starting to turn your your head and your heart back. And, and we used to say pack but don't leave. Pack but don't leave. Because we wanted people to stay with us and stay with what was happening mm -hmm. within them as long as they possibly could, but you are so right that on that leaving day, um, you are starting to turn your your attention's back to home. So I think to have a practice of saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to leave mm -hmm. before it's over, but I'm, I'm also not going to leave before I, before I capture what I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be taking back with me. Yeah. Cause if you think you'll remember it that night mm -hmm. when you get home, you won't. Right. Right. It, it'll, it'll be cloudy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, give us some instructions or maybe suggestions, uh, about, what we do when mm -hmm. we actually are find ourselves yes. back in our kitchen or back mm -hmm. at work. Yeah. First of all, plan your trip back with a little bit of intentionality. So mm -hmm. say there's a little bit of a drive. You can decide how quickly you're going to turn on your phone. Are you going to let yourself be inundated right away with phone messages? Are you going to let that drive time be um, a little bit of decompression? And I like the image of decompression and decompression stops. You know, when you come up from the ocean, um, you have to stop to decompress. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. you're going to have, I don't know, bubbles in your lungs or whatever. That's, that right? a, that's a scientific term. I yeah, think. thank you. Yes, <laughs> I, I appreciate you no, affirming I know that. What you mean. Um, decompression stops as we re enter because we're just not made to be mm -hmm. able to just be dumped right back into another level of being. Mm -hmm. So think about how you're going to go home and how you're going to gradually come back mm -hmm. to your life in the company of others. Um, Set a realistic expectation for other people so that they know when you're coming, maybe even build in some buffer so that you don't start your time back by being late. Mm -hmm. Like people, everybody's standing at the door really mad at you mm -hmm. because you came home later than they thought. I mean, you know, like mm -hmm. these are very, very practical things. Um, remember that um, people haven't been where you've been. Like you said, you know, about mm -hmm. seeing Mary after her trip, that that you had been busy taking care of your kids, you had been busy working, you were all riled up, blah, 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 mm -hmm. and she had come to this very calm place, and it almost feels like an assault, doesn't mm -hmm. it? The noise, the intensity, so different than where you've been on retreat. Um, you might also be feeling very fresh and energized because you've been resting and you're with God, but the people who helped make it possible, they're kind of wrung out and they've mm -hmm. worn, worn themselves out. So to come back with gratitude, I think a person who comes back from retreat bearing gifts is always welcome, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. like if there's something that you could bring back that would mean something to that person, just to let them know that you were thinking of them or that you're grateful for the fact that you were able to go and they, they stayed back with whatever responsibilities there were. Be very realistic in terms of what you expect, how you expect them to respond. Don't expect anything. Expect that they're they're still going on with their lives. They're not ready to sit down and hear all your very profound thoughts and experiences from retreat. Be ready to engage them and to give to them out of your fullness. Mm -hmm. That's really um, if you can somehow get yourself ready mm -hmm. to give to others out of the fullness that you've received. Then we also experience this truth that what God gives us is you know for the sake of others, that there's blessing that God wants to bring back to others. So is there any way that I could come back being a blessing? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. You know, I remember uh, the transforming community experience would end about 1230 or one mm -hmm. on a Tuesday. 
And then I would get in a car and go to the airport. But I, I usually booked my flight to leave at like seven. Yes, that's a great plan. Yeah. And so I, I didn't, I was at the airport, but I went to a nice part of the airport mm-hmm. and I sat and, and just sat right. and I, I didn't turn just on took the it email. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was part of the retreat. It was part of the retreat experience. And I talked to Mary about it. It was okay. It was my decompression time that was so important. So, um, and I tried not to schedule something super intense mm-hmm. for like the next morning. Right. Um, you know, I tried. Something that lets you ease yep. back in rather than yep. being dumped back into real intense situations. If I had to, then... Mm-hmm. I made that happen, but I, but I tried to be, you know, somewhat mindful about that. Um, so sometimes when we go on, many times we're going to have real fresh encounters with God that are going to feel real tender and any advice on how to share those Mm -hmm. or not share those. Right. First of all, be careful. Um, I encourage people to be really careful. Not everybody is a safe place for you to deposit your either any wisdom you've received or to share a spiritual experience that you've had that they might not be able to relate to. So I encourage people under to not under any circumstance get lured into saying more than you want to say mm-hmm. or are ready to say. Mm-hmm. There's also the dynamic that when you actually say some things out loud, it can almost feel like a violation or that it's dismissive or I don't know. It, it, once you say it in words, all of a sudden it's not it's not so significant anymore. So be really careful about whether or not you are even supposed to say anything. What am I supposed to share? What am I not supposed to share? Um, and then only share things with people who are ready to receive and maybe in the timing in which they might be ready to receive. So if you walk in the door and they're cooking dinner and all the kids are screaming and yelling and jumping around and you try to do your profound sharing right then, you are not going to get a good response. <laughs> no. But maybe you can say, hey, you know, after the kids are in bed tonight, let's make tea or have a glass of wine and I'd l- I've got a few things I want to say. Or maybe you even wait after you've picked up some of the slack, then you say, hey, would mm-hmm. love to have a chance to share with you. Um, a little bit about what happened to me on retreat. Um, and there are some people who should never hear what happened to you mm-hmm. on retreat because they do not know how to receive and understand uh, these deeply spiritual experiences. I agree. I've even had the experience where I try to explain it and mm-hmm. then I realize I'm looking for a response oh, yeah. of validation. Mm-hmm. And when I don't quite get the validation mm-hmm. that no one even knew they were supposed to give me, then yeah. I feel like it disqualifies mm-hmm. the the experience right. and and it's hard to get yeah, back it is you know? and then you wish you'd never said anything you wish you'd still held it private yeah, for yourself yeah so i think if you're a kind of person that's going to blurt you're a mm-hmm. blurter a I blurter you, <laughs> i think you gotta be especially <laughs> right um like just the discipline of secrecy mm-hmm. or something and like just say you're not going to say anything for mm-hmm. three days no matter right. what you know right. but i also think i've experienced even people that i love like they'll, hey, tell me, mm-hmm. and and they think they want to yeah, hear, but the truth yeah. is they don't. They, they don't. You know, and they're not ready. They're not, or even if they are ready, mm-hmm. if you're not ready, that's okay. Right. So I, I think that permission is really important. One guy uh, that I quote in this chapter, he talks about the fact that his wife, when he gets back, is always really, really anxious, like almost on the edge of her seat, waiting to hear oh. what's happened for him, and. And because he was a person who was more introverted and didn't have a lot of words and had a hard time putting things into words, he wouldn't have words and then she'd feel left out and get Mm -hmm. resentful. Um, But they've talked about that and had to talk about the fact that he's not ready right when he gets home and that he will share when he can. So she knows that. She knows he's not trying to leave her out um, or withhold but right, but right. he just doesn't always have the words right away, and it's been a helpful conversation for them to talk about how to be with each other when one of them gets back from a retreat. 
Yeah. So if you're yes, like have some expectate, mm -hmm. have some expectations and boundaries and talk about it beforehand. Um, when you're in a situation where it's going to happen mm -hmm. over and over again, which hopefully you are. So, yeah. Well, you've given me a new word. Uh, I love that because I've never thought to even, you know, consider that. But some people really are blurters. I have had to really work mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Are Honestly, you a blurter, Steve? I have been big time <laughs> just sharing things before yes. they're ready to That's be shared. That's right. You know? oh. And I'm such a public, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, I really, yeah, you can't do that. You can't no. be a blurter. No. You have, so actually the discipline of secrecy mm -hmm. has been very yes. hard, but right. a very important yes. thing because that just usually needs more baking right. for me. Uh -huh. And yes. it's better when, yes. it's, when it's gotten a little more <laughs> time right. to bake. Very but good. Usually I'm so excited about it, you know, mm -hmm. that, I, that, that, that I... Now, but interestingly, not... Like, when I get home with with Mary, mm -hmm. I, I'm not like that mm -hmm. usually. I'm I'm like... You're able to ease I, into I it a little bit more. And she knows I need a mm -hmm. little time. And then, you know, we'll talk and she wants to hear it. Yeah. So we've figured that out. But mm -hmm. more in other arenas where, holy mama, um, <laughs> I need to... I need to really save oh Ruth that's so mm. funny uh, well I'm glad I've given you that gift thank you I really do word. appreciate it I'm going to use that you can be sure <laughs> so uh, how would you like to end this episode well let's hear those words from Aslan from mm. that story one more time because I just love the way Aslan talks to, to us so listen to these words again he says remember 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 the signs Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you wake in the middle of the night. And whatever strange things happen to you, let nothing turn your mind from following the signs. And secondly, I give you a warning. Here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all like you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. And now, farewell. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Thank you so much for your support of the Transforming Center in this podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. These reviews and ratings increase the visibility of the podcast. Thanks so much.